The Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the 2023 World Series. We're going to give our predictions for this series and try to figure out how these teams got here. All that and more coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 114. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Wednesday, October 25th. AJ, the League Championship Series is finally up. Uh, Two Game 7s, two spectacular series that we witnessed and saw. Uh, That's going to be, of course, the main uh, topic on today's podcast, uh, as per usual. You know, last time we covered the League Division Series and we kind of previewed the League Championship Series. Now the League Championship Series is over. We'll give our thoughts. We'll give our opinions on how we, uh, how we, just how the results uh, uh, came came through, and 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 discuss uh, and analyze how those series uh, happens, and you know why the winners that we saw uh, win the last two ball games in Game Sevens uh, came through as well. But uh, yeah, Alec, let's kick it off with uh, with kind of our recaps on those series. Uh, let's start on the American League side. Uh, last time we recorded the. Texas Rangers were up 2-0 in the series. Series was headed back to Arlington. They took two road games to start the series. We thought the Astros were dead in the water. We just figured, man, if they can somehow get the series back to Houston, they might have a shot. Um, well, Alex, we we basically got a nice treat of the uh, of the 2019 World Series where yeah. away teams just like to win. For some reason, and the home teams just can't seem to uh, take care of that advantage. But uh, thoughts, reaction, what did you think of that American League Championship Series? It, it was it was honestly a really special one. I thought it was super entertaining. Um, I think once the Astros tied the series, it really felt like okay, like we now have a great uh, you know, series on our hands. Game five uh, was so memorable i thought that was going to be like that memorable game that we'll all think of when we talk Mm -hmm. about this astros 2023 run because of how they came back because of the altuve homer because of the adolis garcia uh you know they started that whole kind of uh not a not a full-on brawl but the, the whole the big scuffle um you know there was players ejected and stuff like that and then all of a sudden um it goes back to houston and uh, Texas actually ends up winning both of those games. So it's not going to be the series we remember. Or it's not going to be the game that we remember for uh, for Houston. It's going to be the series we remember for uh, the Texas Rangers. Travis, I am still... Uh, I'm not really surprised they won the series per se, but I am very surprised that they have made it this far yes. based on kind of our estimation of the team during the season, going into the season, even after the season ended... Even though we picked them to beat the Orioles, and we, I think you may have picked them to beat mm-hmm, the Astros, mm-hmm. it still just feels like this team, even though they have the really hot offense right now, I'm just not super impressed with uh, some of the names in the pitching staff. But at the moment, 
they're doing the job and they're doing the job at a pretty high level. So, um, I mean, hats off to them. It's just another situation, um, not too dissimilar from the National League, where the team that was favored had a 3-2 advantage going home, and the bats kind of fell quiet for Houston. You know, Yodon still got his um, when the time was right. I think Bregman had a big home run. So there was still... Um, they were still fighting to stay in it, but just nothing compared to the offense that we saw from Texas Rangers, Travis. And there's a handful of reasons why I think might contribute to that. The biggest reason of all is just baseball luck. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Players are going to have ups and downs. Trying to win two games at home and you just got to win one of them. You'd say, hey, the Astros, you know, seven, eight times out of 10, they're going to do that. Two or three times they won't. That's just the way the numbers are going to work out. And and Texas, um, like we said, was really hot at the right time. Those last two games, the bats were explosive. Anytime the Astros tried to uh, answer back, Texas immediately doubled down and like hit another, you know, two or three run home run. So it was really difficult for the Astros to really get uh, any sort of momentum and, and to keep any sort of momentum. Uh, and then just looking at other reasons why I think. Um, this series kind of went the way that it did. Travis, uh, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse too badly, but we know that I, uh, throughout this season, throughout the playoffs, have kind of bagged on Dusty Baker and some of the decision-making when it comes to organizing this team's uh, lineup, I guess, and organizing who's going to be playing. I think there's a lot of questionable decisions. Uh, Travis, it looks like the two... Oh, wow, Jeremy Pena, too. Yeah, so it looks like the two of the top three guys who had the biggest negative number for uh, win probability added in, in this series were um, Yiner, sorry, was Martin Maldonado and Mauricio Dubon. Those are both two guys who I just really don't think um, had much of a reason to be playing a lot in this series. Um, it looks like Michael Brantley and um, Jeremy Pena also were pretty uh, deep in the negatives as well. And some of that comes down to, uh, you know, just random chance and guys getting cold at the wrong time. You know, Brantley, Travis, actually, the numbers are really poor. He he played uh, he was in, awful. in yeah. five of the games, 17 at-bats. He hit 118 average, 250 on base, 176 slugging, a 426 OPS. You know, he came back in the season late. Um, I'm not sure if if riding with him was the correct move uh, per se, but I, you know that being said, it's hard to really uh, judge someone on such a small sample size of just 17 uh, at bats. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, Travis is someone else. He had 20 at bats. Um, he had a 300 average, but had no extra bases and no walks. Yeah. Um, a 586 OPS. Martin Maldonado had a 425 OPS, got 16 at-bats. Um, the guy who I would, I would advocate to take Maldonado's at-bats is, of course, Yainer Diaz. He didn't have a great OPS either, but he only got eight plate appearances. I think, I think that number should have been a bit higher. He did get a pretty clutch hit. Uh, and he only struck out one time, whereas Maldonado struck out seven times. Um, but, yeah, Travis, I think overall... Um, I just kind of disagree with the way the Astros approached this thing. I think there was a focus on, you know, whatever whatever the uh, Astros coaching staff assumes Maldonado brings to the table with game calling. 
Um, it, it, it didn't show in the ability to kind of keep Texas's bats quiet, and it didn't show with Maldonado's offense. Dubon also, I think he brings a defensive component when they have him in center field. But there are other guys, Travis, like Chaz McCormick, who has just been a bona fide, um, just a really good hitter all season. Uh, l- looking at McCormick's numbers on the year, an 842 OPS. Uh, and where's Dubon at a 720? So I think there's just lots of reason to kind of say, hey, you know, D- Dusty will be gone anyways. We'll get to the managerial news uh, later in the episode. But I really wonder how this team is going to kind of reassess their plan going forwards because I think that most people in the front office should look at this and say, hey, I don't think we put our best foot forward in this series. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, this team was definitely championship caliber, so I don't want to like just be like, oh, since they since they lost Game Seven, they have to tear it down. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just think that like they need to take a look at some of the the game planning and some of the decision making, and just kind of quickly reevaluate and kind of look around and say, hey, what's what's the best things that we can do here? Because I mean, Travis Altuve showed up, Jordan Alvarez showed up. Alex Bregman showed up. All those three guys I mentioned had over a thousand OPS in the series. Uh, Jose Abreu was almost at 800 OPS on the series. Um, so these are like their top of their order uh, played well, and they were just the others who just did not contribute. And mm-hmm. so I think they need to kind of figure out how to get the most out of the others, which will probably involve not starting guys who are putting up subpar regular seasons offensively and subpar playoff runs but Travis that's my little spiel about the Astros and where I think they they went wrong in some ways Um, do you have anything else that stood out to you in terms of either Texas side or Houston side that made you say hey this is kind of why this series went this way yeah for me I've I've always been a big believer in you know pitching and uh, starting pitching and also the bullpen being uh, a huge piece if you want to advance very far in the playoffs but Texas kind of proved me wrong because I guess offense will just win you a series as well. And I think looking at the last two games, Alex, game six and game seven, a combined total of 20 runs in those two games for the Texas Rangers, that's averaging 10 runs a night. I don't think you're going to lose the ball game if you are going to be scoring 10 runs in uh, in, a, in a postseason game. But uh, that was the story for me for the Texas Rangers in this series. That's been the story for the Rangers. I feel like the whole entire postseason, uh, when they played the Rays in the wild card round, they were just beating them to death with the offense. And then with the Orioles, they were also uh, doing a great job at hitting in uh, clutch situations. They do win a couple games by a close margin, and uh, sometimes they're only going to put up three or four runs, but the pitching does show up in those games. Um yeah, I, I, I think that's just the big story of the Rangers for me. The pitching did well enough. Uh, we didn't. I don't think we saw a very good Max Scherzer, but we did see a very good Jordan Montgomery, and we did see a very good um, uh, Nathan Ivaldi. So I, I think those are two guys to really um, jump on for the next series and for the World Series um, to, uh, to see if they can at least uh, capture uh, that ring this year. I think those are the two guys you want to ride with. Um, other starting pitchers, not too, I would say I'm not too big on. We'll see kind of what happens in the World Series, but I think when you have two uh, very good pers- uh, you know, personnel to turn to, like uh, Montgomery and Evaldi, I think that'll be, that that should at least be enough to to help you, you know, uh, 
get this victory for the entire series of uh, of the World Series. But, yeah, we'll, we'll preview that World Series a little bit more later, but uh, I feel like both teams in the World Series have some shallowness, some question marks yep. in the back end of the rotation. There's good stuff in the front end, question marks in the back end, and then there are some question marks in the bullpen. I mean, you mentioned it. Um, the pitching staff was not super impressive on paper going into the playoffs for the Rangers, and they have proven to be able to be extremely competitive, uh, winning you know three straight series without the great bullpen. Uh, but just looking at some of the, I mean, some of the guys are just happen to, to be really hot right now. Um, Montgomery as a starter, a 129 ERA, appearing in three games of the seven, pitched 14 innings in the series. That's pretty big time. Uh, Spores had a good um, series. He pit, wow, he made five appearances. Yeah, and, um, it, and what's funny is I, I don't really think that even. Chapman or LeClerc had a good series. <laughs> they they Le, did not. LeClerc got beat up, and it, it was just funny to see him still get out there and, and close games out, but it, it just was always rocky. So I mean, that, that, that to me is a question mark for the World Series. And John Gray gave up an earned run in his one inning pitched. Heaney did, I think, pretty bad by um, anyone's standards in his one and two-thirds innings pitched in the series. Dunning got uh gave up you know three runs in less than three innings so a lot of the pitching staff didn't impress in my mind it really was mm -hmm. Chapman wasn't terrible um and then Evaldi was pretty good Montgomery was amazing and that's really all it took yep. um, Martin Perez wasn't uh, bad either but he only threw you know three and a third innings so it really just came down to they got the best out of like one and a half of their starting pitchers. Will Smith, bad from the bullpen. Chris Stratton, bad from the bullpen. So it's just funny to see so many really high ERAs in uh, in the pitching staff across the board and it not mattering. Um, you can look at the guys on the Astros pitching staff. Brian Abreu has been completely shut down for his entire postseason career until he wasn't, right? He, yeah. he got into trouble. He gave up some runs, and then he ended up beating someone, got kicked out of the game. So that was a whole, uh, you know, meltdown in that way. Um, some of the other guys, J.P. France, uh, was not able to contain the Texas offense in any way. Christian Javier, his second start, um, was not good at all. He got pulled. I think it's still in the first inning. Um, you know, there's a couple standouts for Tech for for Houston. Uh, Phil Maton. Um, was pretty good. Presley was uh, good as ever. Uh, but yeah, I think all the starting pitchers across the board, the numbers aren't very good for Houston. And that's just because the Texas bats were so hot. Yeah. Um, and so it really just comes down to me saying, hey, hats off to the team that uh, that won these series. You know, it's it feels like this is one of the hardest, in my mind at least, it's one of the hardest things to kind of rationalize. Because like you said, you have a philosophy of pitching is what matters the most in the playoffs. Um, I think it matters as much as anything else. And the fact that this team, in my mind, Travis, this team like completely neglected their bullpen. Like which one? Uh, Texas. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. The way that they went into the season didn't have a strong bullpen. They were a great team in the first few months. Had a bad bullpen. I think the second half was uh the second half pretty it, rough it melted down i, I mean they had more blown saves than saves i know who's the lefty uh and 
Smith, Will Smith. Uh, I think, I think his ERA was like over 10 in the second half or since August 1st to like the end of the year, he was one of the worst bullpen guys and you knew it, you know? Yeah. And Chapman had blown saves. Uh, LeClerc, I think at one point got demoted out of the closer role, somehow won it back going into the playoffs. Um, Spores was good early in the year, then really fell off. So it just, it just kind of, you know, I'm beating a dead horse, but the way that this team was able to now make it to the World Series to be favored to win their first World Series, it's crazy to me that they were able to neglect the bullpen pretty much all season. I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying to think about um, free or uh, trade deadline acquisitions. I know they got Chapman, but and, and Jordan Montgomery, right? So uh, yeah, so the the starting pitching um, and, and, and Scherzer, they addressed the starting pitching. But um, in terms of of the bullpen, it's just surprising to me that they were uh, didn't try to bolster it that much, and it, it's ending up that it might not even matter. So, no. what do we know, Travis? Um, <laughs> right. With our analysis here, but I, I think it's just it's it's one of the years where a team's offense clearly can carry them all the way to the uh, all the way to the pennant, and it it happened this year. I I, I think historically Texas's pitching is you know it's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be something that you'll you'll you know you'll you'll think about very long. Uh, it's 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 something that uh, the offense did most of the carrying for this entire postseason. And you know, I mean, hats off to them. They they were incredible those last two games in the series. It really showed. But um, really curious to see how this will turn out in the World Series with a team like Arizona. That, that that that's one thing I'll I'll put right there. But I guess for my last opinion on on the series and on the Astros. Yeah, you know, I I thought the Astros just they, they they don't have the same. I think I feel like they just don't have the same team as they've done in the past. I just feel like you know Brantley, you just didn't know really what you're going to get out of him. I, I think he didn't even play all year, Alex. Right? He he was he missed a lot of time. He was mainly uh, on the IL for the entire year. You know, Tucker is one of their biggest uh, contributors on the team. He was not even existing i felt like in the league division series and the league championship series his numbers were pretty bad uh and then when you know when you have to rely on altuve you have to rely on Jordan uh to carry that load then you know it sometimes you're just not going to have the best luck and honestly very uh disappointed and also like guys like fran Valdez. he is someone that the astros leaned on last year he was better than verlander i felt like in the world series and um and throughout the playoffs and this year i just felt like when he came to the mound man the rangers were hitting him uh or they're hitting him very well and uh and then in the last start you know i feel like the one guy that the astros always rely on is a guy like christian javier but uh he was not able to get out of the first inning in game seven so uh some some uncharacteristic stuff that happened and some luck on the rangers side but i think also a lot of astros fans would agree uh there were some things that uh that the the just that the astros definitely did did not uh just were weaker than than the the rangers and what they had in the offense and you know it showed in the um the last two three batters of the lineup Uh, i think like you mentioned like dubon and maldonado i mean those guys aren't going to do anything and pena as well those guys are going to strike out a lot they're not going to be uh super super productive and i think that that's what really can hurt a team if uh if, if not everyone in the lineup can it can pick up the slack and and um i guess be on on one rhythm but um that's, I guess, my input for yeah. for the the Astros side. They're, they're still, I mean, they're still Alex. They're they're like they're like the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're an excellent regular season team. I have full confidence that they will 
be probably in the postseason next year and, uh, you know, still trying to push for a, uh, a deep postseason run. But this year, uh, I think the Rangers, in my opinion as well, were just the uh, the better overall team. Uh, and, and I think it showed it in the uh, at least the better offense, I'll, I'll say. But uh, they, they they show that they can uh, they can come and uh, get it done. And, and it, it did take seven games. So that is a sign that both teams were somewhat pretty equal. Yeah, I think that looking at the Astros all season and in the playoffs, you know, I predicted them to lose to the Twins. I just kind of saw it, I guess, around too early. But I, I agree completely with what you said at the beginning of your of your last uh, segment about this team is just doesn't really feel quite the same as the Astros of years past. They still have the same really well-run organization, the same elite players at the top of the batting order, um, playing, you know, key defensive positions all over the diamond. And so it makes sense that this team still was able to make it to another championship series all the way to game seven uh, at home, but just couldn't mm-hmm. quite tap it in. Um, I think, you know, all that being said, there are some question marks to address. I think even though Abreu had a few redemption moments in the playoffs, he had a really bad year and they have him on, uh, you know, a few more seasons on this contract. I think they're going to want to bring in some more pitching. They did have some bad pitching luck. I'm not sure when Luis Garcia will be back. He would have been helpful to have at least in some capacity. Um, Maybe another year of Hunter Brown shows some improvement. Travis, I drafted Lance McCullers Jr. Oh, yeah. in our fantasy draft. He didn't appear once all season, nor in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think I mean, last year I had him, Alex, and I think he played maybe 50% of the season. So. I, I think you're at the point with him where, you know, I, I really like his stuff, but you really shouldn't count on him. He should be more like a bonus um, if he can be healthy next season for them. I don't really know what the forecast is on him. but I think last we saw he was uh, he was spectacular in that White Sox ALDS in like 2021 right I think that was when we were like wow this guy is truly a special pitcher he is number two right behind Verlander and uh and it, it just it, it was it was Verlander McCullers Framber and it was like this one two three punch is very good it, I'm looking at this um this really cool uh, championship index thing that they have on this series in baseball reference here it's really cool to see um, the plays that were the most impactful, the top 10 most important plays uh, for this series in terms of how much it changed the team's chances to win the, the, the World Series, to win the championship. Mm. So the most important play in terms of helping your team win the championship of this series was Altuve's home run, top nine, game five, off Jose Leclerc. The Astros' chances of winning the World Series, Travis, because of that hit, increased 13.8%. Chance to win the World Series. Wow. um, Just because of how much it swung this series. The second most impactful uh, at-bat of this series was Adolis Garcia off Justin Verlander in the same game just a couple innings before Altuve's uh, home run. And that increased Texas's chance to win the World Series by almost 8%. So it's really crazy to see how much those at-bats in that game. I mean, it swung it swung Texas's World Series chances way up. Yeah. And then Altuve swung it right back down to being majorly Houston favored. And then, um, interestingly enough... Uh, after game six, of course, it all went back to about 500, 50-50 chance, and Texas comes out on top, of course. So 
Um, Travis, anything else to add on this series? Nothing too much. I think we we touched on it uh, well enough. I, I will say I think both teams, yeah, were were very evenly matched. This this series went seven, Alex, and uh, rightfully so. Both teams competed very well. Uh, it just it just swung. I think the Rangers. Uh, direction a little bit more and you know when when the Rangers when you take the first two games in a series you know that's always a telling sign that you will probably advance uh, so you know going even back earlier in the series the the Astros just did not take care of business uh, at their ballpark in the first two games rightfully just the same way in 2019 against the Nationals just could not take care of business at their own home at their home ballpark but um, yeah I think we've, we've, we've discussed it enough but Alex uh, the next series I want to talk about uh you know, you mentioned those swings that, uh, you know, Altuve's home run and Adolis Garcia's home run, how much it swung the uh, odds to win the World Series. Man, I was looking after game two, I was looking at the World Series odds and the Arizona Diamondbacks, after being down 0-2 in the National League Championship Series, they were at plus 1600 to win the World Series. And uh, at that moment, of course, I I think like every baseball fan thought, yeah, I mean, it's just the Diamondbacks are they got they got lucky against the Brewers and they uh, they got lucky against the Dodgers. But this Phillies team is different. But I will say I for the foreseeable future, I will still not be able to explain what I saw in this National League Championship Series. I'm still stunned. I cannot believe it. Uh, I, I truly don't know what to say and how this Arizona team was able to claw their way back and win two games in Philadelphia, a place that I thought, a place that I said earlier uh, in the postseason podcast, I said that is probably one of the toughest places to play right now. I feel like any team that goes into Philly is just doomed for trouble. And I guess I'm on the same uh, bus as uh, Mad Dog Chris Russo. I think I should retire too because I I am shocked and surprised that Arizona was able to do this. But what do you what, what's what's your take? What's your thought on the National League Championship Series? Just I don't know I don't know if I can even explain it. It's it's really just a a so much randomness went into that result of uh, of, of that series. Yeah, and I think it's just it was just another good example um, that we've seen multiple times throughout this playoffs. And every MLB playoffs every year, that there's so much randomness that goes into it. Uh, it feels like from start to finish, Travis. At least from my estimation, you know, I'm just one guy. It feels like Phillies were the better team throughout, and maybe that's some, some maybe that's some bias from last season, seeing how good they were making the World Series, seeing how good they were against the Braves just a season, uh, series ago, uh, and then just seeing them now and how they started the series looking so good uh, in the first two games that were in uh, Philadelphia, and. In the two, the first two games in Arizona that they lost, both were games that they blew, right? I think those are both games. Yeah. That, I think Kimbrell blew both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he yeah. gave up runs uh, when they were winning in, in eighth innings. So that being said, it felt like those games were almost kind of like, oh, like, you know, we just blew that game. It's okay. We'll be able to get another one back. Uh, you know, not so fast, said the, said the Diamondbacks, because... <laughs> yeah. You know the the uh, the Phillies did steal Game Five in Arizona, but uh, six and seven were both won in a fashion that is very unlike the Phillies of the last two playoffs, where it feels like their offense is overwhelming. It feels like their offense can't be stopped. Um, it was stopped, and I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not ready to kind of you know give major major 
props for the Diamondbacks for like figuring out the offense. I think it just kind of went cold. But yeah. you have to give hats off to the Diamondbacks pitchers for getting the job done. You know, Brian Fat or sorry, Brandon Fat. I mean, th- his ability to uh, go in there as a rookie, as someone who didn't have amazing success in the regular season as a rookie, but he has uh, some prospect pedigree to him, and he he knows that he you know belongs in this league. For him to go out there in a game seven against that offense, against that crowd, and get the job done in his part um, was pretty impressive in my book. Um, I think overall, wow, it, it actually in the, what inning was this? It looks like in game seven, around the fourth inning, uh, the Phillies had, according to baseball reference, like a 71% chance to win the the series. Wow. Um, and, of course, they lost that pretty quickly after Diamondbacks had a couple of rally innings there do against... You, do you blame it on uh, the Pat Beverly shirt that uh, Bryce Harper was wearing pregame? That was, that was a pretty telling sign that they were going to lose. I almost forgot to mention that, Travis. I think a your superstar baseball player rocking a Patrick Beverly jersey before a must-win game, uh, a uh, Philadelphia 76ers... Patrick Beverly jersey. First of all, a player that you know gets so many, gets memed about so much in NBA discourse, and also a team that has failed to win must-win games pretty much <laughs> the last five straight seasons, going back to like 2018, 2019 in the NBA, failing to win game sixes and game sevens, elimination games. I don't know why you'd want to bring that energy into your clubhouse, but yeah. Harper decided to test the baseball gods, and they struck him down for it, that. It, it just seems stupid in a way to do that because you're, yeah, you're choosing a team that's just always used to choking and a player that is always in the, what did Pat, always, if, in the always in the meme news for the wrong reasons, I'll say. What did Patrick Beverly do? Did he seem, I mean, must have sent him that jersey. Like, there's just no way Harper just picked it off the rack. Like, right? at least we're like a Rocky, like a Rocky Balboa shirt that like just shows him like taking down, you know. A, an opponent but it's like I, I don't wear a Nick Foles jersey yeah yeah something that is like is you know Eagles. like like this this guy's got a dog in him but uh yeah I don't I don't I don't understand that one at all I think uh I think Castellanos had a outfit on too that was questionable I can't remember and again it was just kind of like when you see that sometimes you look at that and say oh god they're they're playing like they've already won the series, you know, they're coming all dressed flashy and everything. And maybe that's something that you can look at and, you know, judge before the game even starts and say, yeah, I, I, I don't trust them tonight. And, you know, when you're wearing a, when you're wearing a guy's Jersey that does not perform, uh, <laughs> it's not a good sign right there, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, I'm looking at the same uh, top 10 plays like championship win probability index uh, for this series, the NLCS. And it's it's surprising that the most important, I mean, both series, Travis, the most uh, impactful at bat in terms of winning the championship were the, from the losing team. The actually the one that the at bat that changed uh, their team's win probability for the World Series the most was Bryson Stott hitting a double off of Brandon Fat in bottom of the fourth of Game Seven that put the uh, Phillies from tied one one to up two one I believe, yes. Okay. And so it does a double to center, and so and that scored uh, Alec Bohm. So that at that moment in time, it was about uh, yeah seventy two percent chance that uh, 
that the Phillies would win the series. Um, and then, of course, we know that that's not how it went. But, um, yeah, Travis, I think just overall looking at some of the numbers here, like we've, like we've been saying, it's kind of hard to explain this Arizona Diamondbacks' success. Looking at the numbers, it it's, it's also doesn't really shed any light on any answers in my book. Corbin Carroll, their superstar, Travis, underperformed, I think, in a big way. Up until, of course, the last game, he had some clutch moments. Yeah. But a 489 OPS through the seven games, only six hits out of 27 at-bats. Um, I think, like, games... Um like games one, two, and three, uh, the the Diamondbacks only had, yeah, they only had five runs of the first three games, and they were down only two, one in the series. So it, it just, they they got outscored in the series, Alex, but they they won the series. You know, it, right. it's, it's, like, it's like that, uh, it's like that series in June when the Angels lost to the Rockies, but they outscored them like, what, what was it, like 33 to like eight, but they right. lost the series. But it, it's 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 that randomness I think from baseball that that really kicked in exactly. And then looking at other guys on the Diamondbacks, Lourdes Gurriel, seven thirty OPS. You know, not too bad, not amazing at all though. Uh, Longoria underperformed, uh, three eighty five OPS in the series in nineteen at bats. Catal Marte did good, nine. Uh, 87 OPS, but besides him, uh, and also Alec Thomas, good as well, but only 14 uh, at bats. Besides that, everyone pretty much in like the 700 OPSs or lower. Uh, Perdomo, not too bad either, but it, it, it's just kind of interesting that none of the bats really just jump off the page in a big way. If you look at the bats for the Phillies, though, Travis, you'll see some bats jump off the page in a negative way. I cannot believe the numbers I'm seeing here for Nick Castellanos, Travis. I I, <laughs> I know that he didn't have any marquee moments that were coming to mind. So hey man, I, he was good in the wild card and the uh, and the league division. Series. If there was a league division series MVP, he would have won it. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the championship series, Travis, he had 24 at bats. He had one hit. It was a home run, but it was a zero four two batting average yeah how many strikeouts uh, 111 on base he had 11 strikeouts yeah wow. uh the ops is 278 ops yeah. starting with the two is not a very good sign um and then looking at the other guys harper did his thing to some extent not a great series from him but the on base and slugging are pretty uh you know they're definitely adequate marsh uh did his job for the most part and Schwarber actually had a really good series. Schwarber, Schwarber, I'm not sure who would have won the series MVP had uh, Phillies won. But um, from the numbers here, Schwarber would have had a really good case. He had 22 at-bats, five homers. Wow. I don't remember all five. That's, that that number is catching me off I, guard I, here. I think he hit one or two in games one and two. But I know he hit eight, one um, in, in Arizona that was like a moonshot. Yeah. Eight, eight walks to seven strikeouts for Schwarber. I mean, he had a great series himself. Yeah. Eight hits. Um, That's someone that I think is, uh, I mean, he, he really is earning his money. I think he signed like a four-year, $80 million deal with Philly. But I just feel like he's just a marquee hitter. And I think right now, Alex, we mentioned uh, – you mentioned to me he is the all-time home run leader in the postseason for a lefty, uh, which is which crazy to think. You yeah. think about all the great lefties we've seen. You know, uh, he surpassed Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Jackson, Ruth, um, Bonds. You know, so many guys that are uh, just elite left-handed hitters, and he was able to surpass all of them, uh, which is is truly remarkable. But um, yeah, and then 
it's funny. This season, Travis, he batted uh, 197. Yeah. Average. <laughs> so it just kind of goes to show you yeah. how, you know, his approach is his approach and he sticks to it. And in this series, it paid off. In every series, it, it can go up or down. But um, yeah, and then, you know, Trey Turner, Bryson Stott, you know, not amazing numbers uh, offensively. So yeah. it just kind of goes to show you that uh, I think the offense was lacking from most of the players in this series, at least compared to expectations. Corbin Carroll sets high expectations for himself. He, he was below those, you know, Castellanos, amongst other guys, uh, below their own standards that they've set for themselves. And some of that has to do with some of the pitching. I think there's been some good pitching performances on both sides. I, I really am a... Uh, I was high on the Phillies pitching staff. I think their front two in the rotation is as good as it, as pretty much as good as it gets yep. in terms of at least this playoffs in terms of a top two that you're going to rock with. And then their bullpen was, uh, I think, set up very nicely and, mm-hmm. and, and it just did not work out. They blew some leads. Kimbrell had a couple, you know, meltdown outings that, you know, came back to haunt them. Obviously, since they lost that series, he blew a couple close games and, even though there were some moments where Diamondbacks pitching blew some uh, games in some spots, um, there were also these moments. Um, Ginkle had a big moment in Game 7, I believe. Um, guys throughout the series, uh, South Frank had, I think, good and bad moments. It's just kind of interesting to see some of these guys, Travis, who were not uh, on many, many people's radar this season, having big moments in the championship series. That's the nature of the game. I think I saw a stat about, I think it was Ginkle, I think he might have been optioned to the minors like in as recently as May. So like this is someone who was like not solidified in the in the bullpen by any means, but you know, come August, September, they relied on him in a way where they could trust him going into the playoffs and he got an opportunity this series and he showed up in a big way. He had uh, allowed no runs in four and two-thirds innings uh, Ginkle um, out of their bullpen. So he is someone who I'm interested to see if he can keep that up and uh, be a reliable, you know, setup guy for them, or if, if it's going to be more of uh, if that was more kind of a fluky situation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Travis, looking at just the other names here, um, some of the Phillies relievers had uh, some meltdown performances. We already mentioned Kimbrel; he pitched four times in this series, only three innings, and had twelve ERA, allowed four earned runs. Uh, just not good overall. I don't know why Rob Thompson kept going to him, too. I, I I feel like there are some high-leverage spots, and I would have gone to maybe some other names. I don't know how Strom did. I, I don't know what his numbers say, but I feel like he was always... Um, Strom had a really good series and a pretty good season. Kimball also, he had a pretty good season. Yeah. I think it just comes down to maybe there's that point where you say, hey, this guy is clearly rattled. Something's off um, yeah. mentally in terms of focus, in terms of confidence. And that could be a, a factor that makes you make a certain decision as a coach. But well, one, one, or one instance uh, in 2020, you know, uh, Kenley Jansen for the Dodgers was really, he was really rattled the, the, you know, in the, in the, in the division series. And I think bits and pieces of the championship series. And I think Dave Roberts for uh, the world series just turned to, uh, you know, just different guys like Urias or Bruce Tard Gratterall. I think he turned to the hot hand. And I think that's something that managers need to, you know, learn to do, you know, the days of, Hey, you know, Mariano Rivera is going to be the reliable hand every single outing. You know, those are very rare. So I think uh, switching it up at times might be uh, might be something key. Maybe that's something Bruce Bochy might have to, you know, learn to do in the World Series. If Leclerc, you know, doesn't get it done early in the series, then he may have to uh, go out there and choose another guy to hopefully 
put in that spot. But uh, that's just something I observed with the, with the Phillies. And I feel like in, in Arizona with those games I watched, I feel like Kimbrell just was not effective at all. And, you know, the, the Diamondbacks were able to, you know, get back in the series when they were home in Arizona. So, yeah, that makes sense. And, and looking at some of the other Phillies pitching, um, there's 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 bright spots and there's there's really weak spots. I mean, Nola and Wheeler did their job. Specifically, Wheeler had uh, 14 and two thirds innings pitched, only a 1.84 ERA, so he really did his job. Ranger Suarez had a good series, so the the three big starters for them all really feel like they did their job yep. um, for the most part. And the bullpen has you know bright spots like Strom, like we mentioned. Um, Jeff Hoffman pitched six innings out of the bullpen for them in five games, allowed no runs. Sir Anthony Dominguez in three games allowed no runs, um, no earned runs, I should say. Um, Alvarado did his job at 2.25 ERA in four different games. Um, but then there's just a couple meltdowns. Like we said, Kimbrell, not a great series. Uh, Kirkering, uh, 7.71 ERA. Um, he pitched in four games, but only two and one-third inning. That's never a good sign when your innings pitched as a reliever is less than your games pitched. You just know that you weren't able to get out of very many innings. Um, and then uh, Gregory Soto, a bad ERA as well. But uh, Travis, just looking overall at this series, you said it. it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what went wrong for the Phillies and why things went the way they did. I think a lot of it is that randomness we talked about. Like, you know, Travis, Paul Sewald, four innings pitched, no runs or, yeah, no runs allowed, only one hit allowed. Um, he got two saves in the series, but he was completely shut down. Six strikeouts in those four appearances. Can he do that again against yeah. this Rangers offense? We're going to find out. You know, I think he's a really good reliever. I don't think he's in the top, top tier. Um, but, you know, Travis, there's that meme. It's time for Paul Sewell to pitch, yeah, you know. I, <laughs> it's time for him to pitch. And- that always comes to my mind when uh, when he comes in. Is I remember you, you saying that, too, and uh it's I, I've seen the same. He, he's been really effective this 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 postseason. He has, and he for a reliever, Travis. Seeing this, he he and Ginkle both have over ten percent uh, championship win probability added just in this series. Wow. In this series, Seawald ten percent. He increased the Diamondbacks' chance to win the World Series, and Ginkle was almost at sixteen percent. So, really impressive stuff from those two guys. No one else even close in terms of that level of production. Um, Ryan Thompson also good from their bullpen. I feel like I'm just shouting out names now, but but <laughs> but, but, but Travis, it's 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 all this is just to say that um, there is this randomness we keep talking about. And seeing this Diamondback, I think it's time to preview the World Series. You know, I think Diamondbacks versus yep. Rangers. It's two teams that have been it's not hot. sexy. <laughs> it's two teams that have been hot. I think I told my friend uh, in in DMs, it feels like we're getting the 2019 Nationals versus the 2019 Nationals. It's like two two <laughs> yes. different versions of like these hot teams that no one really picked. Maybe some people who are homers said, "Oh yeah, like we have the team this year." Um, but I just think there's there's clear weaknesses in in each team that are kind of being masquerade, masqueraded by hot performances, and that's the nature yep. of October baseball. Sometimes, Travis, I don't want to jump straight into straight into our predictions for the series, but just a quick preview. How do you see this matching up? What do you like about these teams? What do you not like about these teams? Yeah, one thing I'll point out is that this is uh, you know a matchup between the five seed and the six seed, which is is really crazy to think in itself right there if, if this if this world series took place um you know i don't know if it was maybe 10 years ago but you know let's just say 13 or 15 years ago these two teams would have not never made the playoffs which is you know really unique to look at as well so you now have that 
greater sample size with the playoffs and you're allowing teams like these to you know get hot and to make a deep run and now both teams are you know staring a world series trophy uh down and uh, i i think uh like i mentioned not not the sexiest picks uh for for the world series i, I remember i saw a meme today that the executives at fox were hitting themselves when the arizona Diamondbacks beat the phillies because they just knew that this series is going to get some maybe maybe lower uh ratings than uh as as previous world series might have gotten but um i will say this uh i do I, I do like the fight that the Dimebacks have every series I have picked against them. So it almost seems like, you know, uh, they're, they're just proving me wrong uh, time and time again. Um, I will, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe not saying my pick just yet. I, I am curious to see how the Texas offense goes up against this Diamondbacks pitching staff, which has been good at some points but also just very shaky at other at other uh times in the postseason i think right now the game one starters uh they've been listed and i think it's going to be nathan evaldi who's been spectacular in the postseason going up against zach gallon who has just not been very good all postseason long so i'm curious to see if maybe gallon can get back to almost that regular season form and uh we see him pitch that way in the world series but um I guess for for pick's sake, Alex, I I I truly see this series going five or six games, and I think it's going to go the Rangers' way. I think it's the the Rangers team that will just slug their way to a World Series ring, and uh, and it, it's sometimes it's not always the the way you think that's going to happen. But I think with the Rangers offense, the way they've been playing this year, you know, the, the way that Corey Seager has been, uh, I'm actually really pissed that I'm not actually when, when, when you asked me that question, like three weeks ago, who's going to be the world series MVP. And I picked Corey Seager. Uh, I wish California had some, had some rules or let, let people sports bet, but that would have been fun to kind of put that down. It probably wouldn't have gotten me a lot of money. Maybe 10 bucks would have turned to 90 bucks. Cause he already was a strong favorite, but uh, he's been spectacular all series long, but uh, also, Adolis Garcia was uh, was, a, was a rock star in the last series, but uh, I, I just think that the hitting that the Rangers have it's just too deadly to stop, and so that's kind of how I'll lean with this series. I, I think the Rangers could could get it done in, a, in, in you know five or six games. I think that uh, uh, the Astros were a more competitive organization than the Diamondbacks right now, so. Uh, that's the way I'll kind of push it. I wish it was the Phillies, Alex. I'll, I'll be honest. I wish it was the Phillies and the Rangers in the World Series. I could definitely see this going uh, seven because I think both teams have just such amazing offenses. It, it, it probably would have been a unbelievable offensive World Series, I, I will say. And, and uh, it, it is a bummer, I'll I i I'll be honest, but uh, it, it's fun to see sometimes one of the teams that you don't really see uh, predicted in there uh, making such a uh, just a randomness run that they like the Dimebacks and the Rangers have done so far. But what, what do you make of this world series? What, what's your kind of take on it? Yeah. I, I think if I had to break down how I see them matching up, I think there's a lot of reasons to like the Rangers. Um, the offense has just simply been better throughout the postseason, even though the Dimebacks were, you know, super hot offensively against the Dodgers. It feels like the bats were not quite as hot against the Phillies still of course won that series in seven uh so there's there's reasons to like the Rangers for that uh in that regard overall though I I'm gonna go with the Diamondbacks and that good, good. part of that reason is 
strictly to do with my belief that the Rangers, you know, it's, I don't want to act like, I don't want to, I don't want to delegitimize what they accomplished in being the Astros. I just feel like so much of that, uh, I feel like they've burned out almost on like their luck per se, or they burned out in all like their kind of mojo, their juju or whatever, whatever has been able to keep them so hot offensively and as a pitching staff overperforming, I feel like the overperformance at some point is going to come to an end. It feels like to me, Travis, the Diamondbacks didn't really overperform that much against the Phillies per se. Uh, some of the players may have, but a lot of the players didn't even play that well and they still won the yep. series in seven. So because of that, I feel like maybe uh, the Diamondbacks can just play slightly above their average level and maybe the Rangers will kind of fall back to earth a little bit and we might see a competitive series that ends up favoring the Diamondbacks. So I'll make that my pick, Diamondbacks. I don't feel great about either team picking either team because I just know um, that so much of this comes down to these teams uh, earning earning their, their spot in the World Series off of this kind of randomness. And, th- and that's the kind of what makes it uh, a, such a tough pick in my mind. It so does. It so does. Um, just going off the fact that the... Or that the... Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks were able to beat that really special Phillies team that everyone just knew was going to be tough to beat. I think if they can beat that team, then they can go ahead and they can beat uh, this Rangers team. So that's my mindset that I'll kind of take into the series. I, of course, could see either team blowing the other away because that's the nature of October baseball. If I had to pick a World Series MVP... That is That's the next big question. That's right. That is a fun thing to think about here. I'm going through names in my mind. I'll, I'll just say this too as well. I mean, how how crazy that this guy, Corbin Carroll, basically got called up last year in August. And right now he's basically led this team, I feel like, to the World Series. I mean, he is such a special young player that's not talked about enough. Like I mentioned, if he was on a big market, if he was on the Dodgers, if he was on the Mets, the Yankees, uh, he would be the talk of the town. He would be, you know, he'd be getting so many more MVP votes, I feel like. But he has just been a spark for this Diamondbacks team throughout the uh, throughout the season and also coming in a clutch moment for uh, for them in Game 7. I think he had a big two-out single to get driving a run that uh, that really meant a lot. But uh, sorry to cut you off, but I get back to the MVP, Alex. What what, what do you see with uh, with that? Yeah, I'm not going to go with any of the super duper stars on the team just because I feel like those are, um, you know, it, it feels like there's always guys who have to step up as a result. And if I had to pick a guy who I think might step up, um, I have a few names in my head right now. One of them being Gabby Moreno. I was going to say, you got to pick the Diamondbacks, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I'm, I'm definitely going to go with the Diamondbacks as a pick. I like Gabby Moreno a lot. What he did against the Dodgers um, was really impressive, and he was not uh, too bad against the Phillies, but he could be due for a hot streak perhaps. How do you think the Blue Jays are feeling right now? Dalton Varshow, baby. <laughs> he's, he's got that he's got that that F war that uh you know that center field defense is, is yeah. definitely good or right field defense as it well. It just but. seems like Gabby Moreno, I mean, ever since that home run against Kershaw in game one, it just it feels like man, he is such a he's such a when he comes up to, to play or when he comes up to the bat, um, it just it, it feels like you need to you need to sit down and watch. And also he um 
is elite with the arm. Kept getting runners. He's a little bit below average framing according to StatCast, but his blocking is elite. His caught stealing above average is 100th percentile, meaning he's just pretty much the best that you're going to get. His pop time is also very, very good. So um, a, a, a lot to like about what he brings to the table. Um, but whoever whoever wins this, uh, assuming the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks win this uh, World Series, I think, the of course, the MVP will come down to just kind of whoever was streaky for a short bit of time there. Um, you know what, Travis? I'm actually going to go with my guy, Tommy Pham. I'm going to pick Tommy nice, Pham. Okay. Um, he played in six games, not all seven, of the uh, championship series. I just feel like he's going to be an important bat. He didn't have a great championship series at all. And there is this chance, Travis, that like he gets fewer opportunities because he wasn't uh, playing that hot in the last series, just a 350 uh, OPS. But I do think that um, he has the type of bat that can just have, uh, you know, a multi-home run game, a few straight games with a homer. I think he brings that kind of pop to the middle of their of their lineup. But there are so many guys, Travis, who have the capability to win that kind of award just because um, there's an interesting depth to the team that it just feels like there's not a many like super, super shining bright spots outside of Corbin Carroll and, and maybe Marte to an extent. But, you know, there's just the depth that you get with guys like Perdomo being at the bottom of your order and still producing um, with guys like uh, Alec Thomas having a big series against the Phillies. Um, you know, Christian Walker, Travis, he had a, a, a monster home run. Oh, pardon me. Now I was looking at the wrong number there, but he had a, oh, it was a double. That's right. RBI double is what I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, Christian Walker actually a below a hundred batting average in the last series. But I think a lot of these guys have the capability, Travis, to win a World Series MVP. Um, I'm gonna lock it in Tommy Pham then. I think that uh, he has the capability to do so. But um, at the end of the day, Travis, it will come down to just whoever is hot. Um, I, I am leaning. I'm leaning uh, offense over pitching, just because I think that Texas lineup is gonna be able to. Um, do some damage to pretty much any pitcher the Diamondbacks throw their way. So I know the offense of the Diamondbacks is going to have to have a few big outings there if they're going to win this series. So um, are you going to stick with your pick? Are you <laughs> are you are you going to try to change it up and just kind of feel like you get to pick two guys in one and I, <sighs> more chances to be right? No, no, I, yeah, I, I will. I'll stick with my guy, Alex. I'll stick with Corey Seager. Um, for those that, that don't know, Travis, you already mentioned it, but he picked Corey Seager coming into the playoffs. Wait, I think that was, was that before the wild card round or going into the, that the division was series? After the wild card round, I think I just, I, I don't know why I had a hunch that, um, I had a hunch. I don't know. I, I, I It's hard to say because I was like, I don't see the Rangers at all getting to the World Series, but like, I'm just picking him because like, I think you asked me on the spot and I was like, oh, Corey Seager. Um, but, hey, uh, hey, my pick of Kepler turned out pretty good. Yeah. And, and it's like, I think all we had picked from there is I picked Seager to win the world series MVP. And then also, um, we gave our picks on who's going to win the division series. And, you know, I did see the Rangers going on and I did see them facing the Astros, but I did see the Astros, uh, winning that series. So, um, yeah, it, <laughs> I, I will still keep a Seager. I think, uh, I think he has a just a huge spot in October, and I think uh, I think he will be uh, someone to easily easily keep an eye on for uh, 
for for that series. If I guess if I had to make like a a, a secondary guy to go with, maybe um, someone that might be fun to watch, um, I'd probably lean lean uh, probably like either Josh Young or Nathan Ivaldi. I think those are my kind of like my, maybe my two sleepers I would be looking at just because you know Ivaldi is going to get a lot of starts and he does have the uh, he does have the stuff to be a huge impact in the World Series. So Ivaldi probably a little bit higher than Josh Young, but I do think those are two guys you could be watching for uh, for another uh, another pick. But I, I do uh, like Seager. You know? I'm going to go ahead and give a dark horse for the Rangers, and then I'll let you give a dark horse for the Diamondbacks, the teams that we aren't really picking, but just guys we think um, make sense to kind of highlight. Um, I'd be really surprised if he won the World Series MVP, but I think Evan Carter's performance uh, so far in the big league level has just been super impressive for those that don't know i think he was called up with a couple weeks to go in the season because of an injury but he was a top prospect in their system uh been playing the outfield for them made, made some good plays out there but he uh in the regular season just 23 games played over a 1000 ops obviously not super super sustainable but in the last series travis he had um two RBIs he had three three doubles six hits in the seven games um and then just in the series before that Travis he uh was making all, all kinds of noise um against Baltimore but Travis overall I do think that um he is kind of a, a small little x factor that mm -hmm. you can kind of look at as um you know maybe when the going gets tough Semyon or Seager uh get a little cold or, or maybe that maybe the the team needs to pick me up. I think Evan Carter is a guy who um, it, it feels like he's surprisingly built for the moment, despite just arriving at the big league level. He has a really good uh, plate skills in my mind. He really doesn't chase pitches a whole lot. He did have eight strikeouts in this last series, but um, he's just a young guy who who's able to you know get his walks and hit with power. So I, I could see him having having some making some noise at least. But any any name. Uh, speaking to you on the Diamondbacks roster? I would probably just go with Christian Walker um, only because the I feel like the Rangers ballpark and the Diamondbacks ballpark, both stadiums are just great for hitting home runs. And that's kind of their big mashing power hitter that I see. And I could see Christian Walker having, you know, four, maybe five home runs in a series that uh, could help propel the Diamondbacks to to winning it all. But I think that's kind of like my dark horse to, to look at. Obviously, I would... I would probably be betting towards a guy like Corbin Carroll or, uh, or, you know, and yeah, maybe not, maybe not Cattell Marte, but yeah, a guy like Corbin Carroll, or even like you said, Tommy Pham or a uh, Gabby Moreno. But uh, I think uh, Christian Walker could have himself a, uh, a big series just because I feel like both ballparks, like I mentioned, we, we see a lot of home runs out of them. So uh, that would be my dark horse for, uh, for the Diamondbacks in, uh, in that series, but it should be fun. I, it's, it's an uncharacteristic world series that we are not used to i feel like seeing um and i think they they mentioned if you if you would have bet at the beginning of the year on this series it was like plus twelve thousand and five hundred or something like that alex and i, I figure what the payout would have been if you would have bet like one dollar on it it would it was uh it was uh it, i'm sorry i think it was plus twelve five hundred twelve thousand five hundred if you bet the Diamondbacks to win the World Series. I think if you actually bet Rangers Diamondbacks, oh god, that must have been like it, plus it's, fifty thousand. It's, it's or definitely like astronomical. That. It's crazy. 
Because um, every year there's always one guy that did something stupidly crazy. It's like, okay, was that like a drunk bet? Like I think last year someone did Astros and Phillies, and the Phillies were an awful team to start the year last year. And no one really thought the Phillies would be, you know, a a huge successful team coming out of the East and especially in the playoffs. Um, I, I did see a, a screenshot of a bet. I'm not sure if it was if it was real or fake, but it was online and it showed a $10,000 bet for the Diamondbacks to win the World Series. I think it must have been preseason. Mm. And so a 10,000 bet, I think it becomes like a million dollars or something like that. Yeah. Like it, it, But you could cash out right now for $10,000. It's just kind of funny because like you can just pretty much say like, Somehow they made it this far, like, so much to where Vegas is saying, if you want to opt out of this crazy bet, you can. I think whoever made that bet's probably gonna just let it ride because yeah. you don't want to cash out with like the same amount of money. It's just funny how like they've made, they've come so close, but a cash out now you're not even in the profit just yeah. because now it's pretty much a fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. It's, it becomes yeah. a fifty fifty, and so it's either gonna cost you ten thousand or you could win um, all that money. But it's 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 definitely a tough one. Um, at least in my mind, uh, a little bit frugal. But um, Travis, any other thoughts here? Um, you know, our next episode will probably be right after the World Series. We can react to everything that's happened. Um, I, I'm excited to see who shows up. For me, yeah. that's that that that's really the story right now. Is yep. because both these teams feel like they're running on just uh, they're just running hot, and just who can step up and be that guy. Uh, I always I always want to see someone. It's at least fun for me as a as a guy who looks at the numbers. I want to see a guy who did bad in the last series and just get hot. Pretty much reverse Castellanos. Castellanos was was really hot in the DS, did bad yeah. in the CS. Who's gonna do bad in the CS and have a good World Series? You know, Marcus Semien had a five ten OPS. Very true. Yeah, that, that's um, someone that you have you cannot ignore. Yeah, he is someone who could definitely get hot at the right time. Um, I think that there's just tons of guys on both teams that are capable of being the guy in the big moment. So, um, Travis, we're both excited for this World Series. Um, even though, like you said, it's not the marquee matchup. It is not what anyone would have picked going into I mean, Travis, if you just showed, just show anyone. This looks like a spring training, just like boring no. game on MLB Network at, at 1 o'clock. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're getting the Diamondbacks and Rangers. Like, this is really fun. Travis, it's like, it's like if I gave you, like, MLB the show 21 and you like booted it up and like simmed three years and it shows like 2023 world series rangers and and uh and diamondbacks you'd be like this is so stupid like <laughs> this this simulation does not know baseball that's not going to happen yeah and of course here we are travis those two teams both um spent some money it's funny travis the uh diamondbacks do you know who their highest paid player is this season it's someone they dfa'd in april Oh, that's right, Mad Bum. Madison Bumgarner. That was something that I wanted to bring up too. Maybe sometimes it's not a good idea. To, maybe it's a, maybe it's a good idea to DFA the guy you're still paying and and he's he's got your record you know contract. I just I, fo- just focus the attention, give the stars to someone who deserves it. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's something that that you could you could definitely push. And then looking at the Rangers, they are a team. I think both Rangers and Diamondbacks both finish with. Uh, uh, both finished both finished last place in their divisions in I think 2021. I think they um, both had over a hundred losses in 2021. Yeah, and I and and you know you look at two years later they both are playing in the World Series again. No one no one thought about that. Uh, the Rangers, in my opinion, you know after 2021, I was definitely thinking this team you know is got a bunch of prospects. They'll they'll take a couple years to really 
uh, get these guys mature and hopefully at the, you know, hopefully get these prospects at the major league level in 2024 or 2025. But they just went all out in the spending category and have been so aggressive. I feel like in the last, you know, two years, 16 months or so that uh, it's, it's really intriguing to see this team, the way they've been constructed. It's purely, it's just, it feels like it's purely just, they almost bought their way to a, um, to a uh, American league pennant. And Alex, I mean, we're looking at a team that doesn't even have Jacob deGrom right now. That's healthy. And they imagine if Jacob deGrom was healthy for this Rangers team right now. I mean, you'd be looking at them and saying, Oh my God, like this team is a clear front runner to win the world series. But it, it's funny that guy like that goes out has been kind of on the IL throughout the year and uh, did have to, uh, of course, uh, shut it all the way down uh, earlier this season. But it's one name that you can look at and say, man, like I just you, you can't believe that they had him on the roster um, and uh, they've made it this far and they they don't even have him playing. So that, that, that's that's one thing that is, is really shocking as well when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, both you mentioned these teams and how how they struggled in uh, as recently as 2021 to even put up, you know, not even close to winning seasons. They were uh, losers in the division. They were over 100 game losers. Uh, and now both teams have bright futures with great farms, um, exciting players on the horizon, and they already are kind of ahead of schedule in the World Series, both of them with, you know, it feels like a coin flip's chance to win it all. Um, you also mentioned the, uh, I'm blanking on where I was going to go with that, Travis, but um, we'll just keep it rolling here. Uh, I think that one thing I wanted to quickly discuss before we kind of wrapped up the episode is... Um, the manager vacancies that we're seeing right now, different managers kind of announcing retirement or getting let go. And already um, we're kind of seeing uh, some positions get filled. Um, let's just kind of jump into the vacancies. Well, obviously, well, I think we just touch on Dusty Baker. It looks like he's retiring. Mm -hmm. uh, and He said uh, it'll take some time to think about it, but it seems like he probably will, yeah. And, you know, he came in as this interim manager because of the whole cheating scandal, and A.J. Hinch was, I think, fired or let go, and it just felt like Dusty was going to be here for a season, maybe two seasons until they figure it out. But, I, you know, I just I, I assume just because they kept on winning that they were like, hey, do you want to do you want to manage another year? And And he was like, sure. And I think now. Uh, it is the right decision, I think, for Dusty, and I think it's the right decision for the Astros. I didn't anticipate this just being a long marriage. I think Dusty is it, – it's fine to have him for two or three seasons, but I think that the Astros need to um, – like we've touched on, I think they just need to take a look at their team right now and and find maybe a new identity that they can go with. And, and we'll see what the, what the Astros bring to the table next year if that manager is you know highly impactful or if he – is uh you know someone that maybe keeps them on a on a decline who knows but uh yeah i, I do have a, a thought to add on that and then just before i, I forget um i blanked a second ago i remember what i was going to say the the mariners i saw an upset mariners fan on twitter today travis the last three seasons the mariners have had a better regular season record than the nl champion pennant <laughs> winner which is kind of crazy that um these the last, braves the phillies and now the diamondbacks the, yeah. these last three nl pennant winners um you know, unimpressive regular season records, but hot at the right time. Travis, back on uh, Dusty Baker and the Astros vacancy. Um, I, I think ever since 
uh, the cheating scandal, and there's a kind of a change of front office. Obviously, the I think the GM and the coach all got uh, you know fired, and, yeah. and or they got suspended, and then they got you know let go of. Um, ever since that happened, I think that uh, some Astros fans who play pay close attention have not been a real big fan of a lot of the moves. I think the Abreu contract is kind of a big glaring glaring example of like, hey, this is this did not work, you know. Um, they 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 let certain guys go like Correa. Of course, Pena filled in nicely so far, but Pena not a great year this year. Um, I think overall, it's hard to criticize a team that is as good as the Astros are. But I do think that the uh, front office and the coaching staff, I don't think it's quite what it was during the you know quote unquote cheating scandal era. Just the era that was running things uh, that that built the dynasty and that operated during the first half of the dynasty. Technically this, this, this 2022 world series was won under the current regime, but I think they were kind of profiting off what was already built. So I'm not sure that I'm going to love their next coaching hire. They definitely could go with a smart pick, but I wouldn't be too surprised if they picked another kind of dusty Baker type, a guy who has experience in the playoffs, but maybe a guy who I don't really fully agree with the decision-making, maybe someone who doesn't really care for the front office analytics and stuff like that, because we know that Dusty um, went with his gut, went with his guys, and whatever he thought um, made the most baseball sense is what he was going to go with. Um, you know, some teams like the Angels, Travis, they get into these funny conflicts where the coach, the coach is kind of vocal about like, hey, I I don't want to listen to the the front office making the decisions, but you know, Dusty, that was never a thing. I feel like we just knew he was going to go yeah. with, with who he wanted to go with. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see how the Astros fill that vacancy, Travis. Um, the next kind of point of news on the discussion is that Bob Melvin, um, Travis, we knew him as someone who was a very effective with the A's. Yep. He goes to the Padres and we say, oh man, match made in heaven. You have a smart coach with a team that has lots, lots of resources, lots of talent. For whatever reason, Travis, I mean, they didn't did make a championship series, but we're not able to get the job done at all. Yeah, this year or two years ago, um, looking at um, the future now, I'm not exactly sure where the Padres go uh, for their vacancy. And we know that Bob Melvin has now already agreed to a deal with the San Francisco Giants. And Travis, I saw an interesting tweet. It was pretty much saying it's it's very confusing to me and to the guy who tweeted this. Why would... The San Diego Padres, they they vocally said, "Hey, we are happy with Bob Melvin. We're, he's yeah. This season's not on him, right? This season's not on him. We want him to be our coach. Blah blah blah. He's not on the hot seat in any way." And then say, "Oh, you want to go interview with our division rival? Go <laughs> yeah. ahead. You're under contract with us, but go ahead. We don't care. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna hire him from us? Okay." Yeah. That just seems really weird to me. Like, I yeah. can't imagine, like... Perfectly said, yeah. I, I can't imagine, like, saying, you know, we are happy with our manager decision right now, and then just, you know, letting him go to a division rival for... It seems like nothing. I'm not sure how all the rules work in MLB. I know that in the NBA, Travis, and I think in the NFL as well, you can, like, trade draft capital for managers. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think Doc Rivers was traded to the Clippers for, like, either a draft pick or a player. I know that just recently um, coach of the Broncos, who was the Saints coach. Um, 
Sean Payton. Sean yeah. Payton was traded for, I think, a draft pick or something like that uh, to back to the Saints because um, he's still technically under contract with them. So I don't know if the Melvin thing, I don't know if there's any compensation that goes back to the to the Padres or not. I feel like there's not, but it just seems so weird to me that they kind of let that happen. And I guess I am really curious to see how the Diamondback, sorry, how the uh, Padres fill that vacancy because I also read a stat that it's like seven managers in like nine or ten years under uh, Preller, their general manager, like yeah. just cannot stick with a guy. Um, part of that's probably because you want success, but you can't blame the coach every season. Uh, looking at that vacancy, the Padres, as well as the Angels um, having a vacancy, as well as the Mets having a vacancy. Uh, the Guardians. Am I forgetting anyone? I'm yeah, sure the that I am. Yeah, last one was just the Astros. Those, those, the, those Astros. Are the five I saw today on a on a Fox Sports tweet. Um, who, wh- wh- where do you see? Uh, just pick a team, I guess. Where do you see them going? Do you see any logical fits out there? It's it's tough. You know, I, I was going to start with with those five teams, and by saying, you know, which team would be the easiest situation going into and I would definitely lean towards Houston and Cleveland because Cleveland you know 90 wins last year this year totally underperformed they could probably be somewhere around 500 by I feel like they're a team that's still they overperformed in 2022 and they're still a young team that uh is is still growing into uh, hopefully becoming, you know, a, a very good team in the next couple of years. But uh, I feel like Cleveland and Houston are two places I would want to go if I were a manager right now because they they kind of have a vision. They have a, a roadmap of where they want to be in maybe a year or in the next two years. Or for the Houston Astros, they already have uh, the, the players in place. It's just about, hey, can we have the right manager that could push the right buttons to get us to another World Series? Because, you know, who... Who wouldn't want to coach Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, uh, Bregman, and uh, and all these other stellar players, and 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 just ha- almost have one of the easiest jobs in the world? Like Alex, like I mentioned, we had a we had a talk about you know how Dusty Baker and and you know you you're texting me about like oh like great job Dusty like you you left this guy in and and look what happened and I think I always responded like don't worry Jordan will bail him out again and like Jordan always yeah. hit like that eighth inning massive home run and it's like. The Astros don't really need a good manager because the team is already just so talented that some some guy is just is you know that makes the lineup card. It, it shouldn't be that hard of a job, you know. It, it, it's not like some of these other uh, you know positions that you need to fill. That it really is tricky to make the lineup maybe every single night. But um, I guess I'll lead, I'll start off by just saying yeah, I think that Cleveland and Houston are the two areas or the two teams that I would see being the most. Uh, maybe the most easiest situation to come into man when i look at the angels and i look at the padres and i look at the mets i mean those are all three organizations that have the expectation of we 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 want to be in the world series next year and we have the tools and players to maybe not the mets so much anymore but they do still have a lot of talented players and i will say all three of those teams have spent a ton of money on players on players that haven't been producing in the last couple of years uh, or some inconsistency. So those are three teams that I look at. And I know Angels are our, they're our team, Alex, but it's it's tough situations. And I, I don't know where you lean. Do you go with a veteran guy like a Buck Showalter? Uh, or do you go with a guy that's been in the organization for a while? Or do you lean with a guy that 
doesn't even doesn't even hasn't even managed before maybe is just uh someone that's been working in the front office under you know a gm or under a uh analytic department uh maybe you lean that way so it's it's going to be interesting to see how these things turn out and honestly we might even know who these managers are in the next coming weeks i think that a lot of times you see managers get hired shortly after the world series during the world series uh you know sometime before mid uh november you see managers get selected because that's where that's basically what you need to do first before you start signing players they want to know who they're playing for if you don't have a manager job opened up then why would i sign with that team and i don't even know who's going to be coaching me for the for the whole entire year so uh it's it it really will be interesting to see what happens in the next two weeks with uh with all five of those teams and and, and which direction they will go in but uh any other input on those five teams um no i have a another team situation to mention Good, i yeah. know i know that we have talked in the past i've brought up craig council as a candidate for the angels amongst other teams because his contract expired with the brewers i believe he's a free agent manager um, there's probably momentum for him to stay just because obviously he's the from team, Milwaukee the, and lives there. Yeah. And the team's had success, um, under his management, at least making the playoffs most of the years he's been there, but there's been a struggle to get over the hump. Maybe he wants a team that will spend more money. He did. I heard, I heard he, I think I heard he interviewed with the Mets or at least the Mets were reaching out to him or targeting him. I read something about that a little while back. And then again today. So I do feel like you could see the Mets hiring someone pretty quickly um, to get their offseason kind of yep. set up and ready to go from the jump. Right when the free agency is open, they can just already have everything in place. So I could see that being a logical fit. Uh, I could see also, Travis, I feel like I'd be scared of the Ashers if they got Craig Council. I could see him being you know someone who has a lot of experience managing a team, getting them to the playoffs, and then the players that comes down to them to perform in the playoffs. But... Um, overall, uh, I, I I struggle to kind of decide who I see ending up in San Diego, in uh, Anaheim. It's hard for me to make that call. Um, I, I, I think that overall it's going to come down to um, which direction these organizations want to go because the Padres and the Angels are both at an interesting you know crossroads where they had a, a, another year of underperformance and they have to kind of figure out what is our next step here? What does our direction for 2024 look like? Uh, and that being said, who's the right candidate to, you know, see out our vision? And, and you know, Travis, as Angel fans, we've seen lots of different names rumored. Uh, we've seen, uh, I think Darren Nurse adds a name that that uh, you liked and I, I, I'm i definitely okay with. I would love that. Um, I, 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 <laughs> Travis, the thing that bugs me the most is when Angel fans just focus way too much on 2002 but i have heard other good um good things from he he's a coach for is it a college team or is it a high school team college team what is it Travis water Sorry, Travis. Swallowing, swallowing some water uh yeah, university of nebraska yeah. got it okay yeah. um but so he, but one thing i like about him is he is a uh you know one special thing about him is he brings the defense to the table. I like that about Erstad. He won a gold glove in center and a gold glove at first base for the Angels uh, during his time. So I, I think that that's one key aspect that will sharpen up that uh, that that was somewhat, I think, of a problem last year at the defense. But um, yeah, continue. Yeah, so he's a candidate that I think um, definitely makes some sense. I think I read about um, other people who've played for him uh, were fans of his style. 
um, that could be a good thing. Another idea is um, different guys who are already in the Angels system that have uh, been kind of linked or in linked to being interested in like a, a, a manager job. Um, Benji Gill is someone who's been floated a lot. Um, I also remember reading that the Angels are bringing back, um, I think his name is Dom Chidi. He was a uh, coach with them two years ago and then last year he left and was with a different organization and now he's back as like a triple a coach so the angels are already actually active in, in hiring like assistant coaches and minor league coaches um whoever they hire as the head coach remains to be seen uh, the manager especially because i feel like Artie wants to have some say especially given the fact that perry was kind of allowed to go all in at the deadline and it didn't work i think Artie's definitely kind of reeling it back and you know not not giving a full trust to Perry at the moment. So um, I feel like when it comes to the Padres, we know they're going to cut back salary-wise, they've said. I don't really know what direction Preller is going to take. I don't know how much the organization trusts Preller at the moment just because of how many seasons they've had higher hopes than what they actually achieved. So overall, you know, not too much else to say on these discussions. We'll know more once the offseason fully begins, I think. Um, I guess last note on Melvin going to San Francisco, Travis, I read that they're, um, they're, uh, either he's the GM or the president of baseball operations, um, Farhan Zaidi. He is someone who's kind of, in my mind, the architect of this current Giants team that has been, you know, in a lot of these wild card races. And of course, that really good 2021 team that a lot of us kind of probably underestimated and they went above expectations it's been a really smart regime of giants baseball in my mind and I, I believe he got a contract extension as well as this contract that's going to bob melvin i feel like that's kind of a, a power duo there that that could lead to some successful years for the giants we know the giants um went big for judge and for correa and just didn't uh seal the deal with either of those guys if they spend big on a couple guys i could see that team being pretty good just because I like Melvin in that role. Melvin is someone who Travis with the A's. He 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 managed this style of baseball. I mean, those A's teams, Travis, kind of remind me of this Giants team. A lot of platoon hitting, not a lot of superstars, just some good players. Um, the pitchers are all kind of doing a bit better than you'd kind of expect them to. And, you know, just, just kind of smart, smart top to bottom organization. Um, I think that paired with um, whatever Zaidi can pull off in free agency could end up being a pretty good thing. I still, I'm not, I'm not ready to put them in sort of some sort of top tier conversation if they get one big fish, but I do think that they are on a promising path to say the least. But um, that's all I have, Travis. Actually, there is one tweet. If there's nothing else on the, anything else on the coaches, or should I go on? That's yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say too. Yeah. Um, one tweet I saw today, Travis, was about. Um, David Peralta for the Dodgers, he had a flexor tendon repair on his left arm. The procedure was for an injury he'd been playing through since around the All-Star break. He's expected to be hitting and throwing again by March. He is a Gold Glove finalist and he is a free agent this winter. Travis, so since the All-Star break, when this um, was rumored to have started being an issue for him, from that point to the end of the season, Peralta hit 231. 259 on base, 319 slugging, that's 16 doubles and no homers, 54 WRC+. Plus. That's tweeted by at Eric uh, Steven. 
I do not, and that's since the All-Star break, I don't understand why guys play through injuries if they're going to be terrible. <laughs> it's it's really it's really crazy. And, they got and kinda, that dog in them, don't they, right? It, 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 yeah. just, it just kind of like, I know you want to play through it and fight through it and help the team win, and it's just crazy how... Um, After two weeks, you got to just say, I'm hurting. It's like... You made your team work. So, uh, you, I mean, you want to help, but you made yeah. your team it's not worse. Like I, it's not like I'm hitting 350 and I'm just like out there, you know, putting my life on the line. But it's just, I, I feel like where's the motivation coming from? And, and where is the Dodgers expertise saying, yeah, something wrong with you, man? Because, I mean, like you're just not hitting the same, yeah, especially but, how analytic, analytical they are. It, it, it's weird that you just can't see that. And, and I think they kind of phased him out to some extent weren't playing him as much down the stretch because his numbers were falling off. But I mean, he still is someone who got, he got AB's plate appearances in the playoffs yeah. against the Diamondbacks. So it's just kind of crazy to see like bro was not uh, at all in an effective state and still was able to, um, I guess, get reps. So it, it is, it is one of those things, Travis, you know, I was, you know, I'm interested to see if any teams take a chance on him. You know, his second half performance wasn't completely his fault. A lot of it was due to injury, but another one of those things where I, it, when I saw that tweet, I was like, that's just so it, it's almost makes me laugh, even though it's kind of sad. Like, you know, when someone gets hurt and they're just trying to, you know, I respect the, the, the desire to win and the competitiveness, but you got to be real and be like, you know, I, I'm not well enough to compete at this level. Uh, something is off. So yeah, yeah. that that was a funny thing I wanted to throw out there before we wrapped up, Travis. But that is all we have for today, folks. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. We will be back with a World Series, you know, review a World Series reaction once that series ends. Also, some uh, some nice little talks coming up about MVPs, all MLB. We didn't do our all MLB team to finish the year because I know. Uh, scheduling was uh was difficult but uh we want to at least give our hot perspective on the all mlb team and uh and this of course alex is not going to have playoff bias uh we're not going to have austin riley taking home the best third baseman role quick prediction which what's the outrageous overreaction going to be oh like adolis garcia yeah all mlb outfielder something like that 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 it could be a great person to point to or even like a uh I almost feel like like a Jonah Heim or like Gabby Moreno at catcher or something like that too. Uh, there, I think I think we could see a lot of different ones and and uh, it, it'll be it'll be fun to see when that when that does come out. I think it usually comes out like a week after the World Series comes to a conclusion. So we'll jump on that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll give out our before our, we see the uh, disappointment in the first team and the second team. I think last year was like wasn't it like Shohei like a like a second team pitcher or something like that and it was just yeah it was, it, everything was just every year it's awful i think jrm <laughs> was snubbed completely but yeah travis we will do a full coverage of our own all mlb we'll react to mlb's version of the all mlb team give our mvps and all that stuff too Cy as well. young yeah. rookie of the year it's going to be fun to react to all that stuff and then of course travis full speed ahead into the off season but uh i want to share with you a little bit of a you know i think i texted you this but uh the last time the Rangers went to the World Series. The Angels won that offseason. So keep that in mind. And the last time the Diamondbacks went to the World Series, the Angels won it the next year. I'm just that sad Angels fan that you, just are, is looking at the past and he's like, man, like there's would, would you would you say it's a lock then? There's hope. Would you say it's a lock though? <laughs> are we talking yeah, about you know, it? it could be, yeah. I mean, it, we'll we'll see what kind of aggression uh Artie Moreno and this uh and, and Perry Perry have this year in the uh, in the offseason, what they want to do and What's the plan for 2024? Uh, 
it's it's I'll say I've, I'm I think this year this offseason I'm I'm the most I guess confused in, in which direction we're going to go we're either going to go into a you know maybe not a full rebuild but like a mini rebuild and not spend all the money or we're going to go into you know an already rage spend offseason where he's like I am Steve Cohen now I am buying the league and like we cannot it, 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 we're not we're not doing yeah, this anymore but I, I feel who knows like, i feel like his seasons i think he knows his seasons are numbered he doesn't want to be the owner for another 10 years um he's already getting up there in age and he wants to win a, a world series but he already he already obviously considered selling uh once so i would not be surprised if he keeps the foot on the gas just because he knows he might not be able to make it through a full rebuild as the owner before having to sell. So I do think that they're in a spot where they'll, they'll push the chips in again. It might not be as effective if Otani does leave, um, but it all comes down to how much they want to spend and how smart they are with that spending um, and player development, all that good stuff. Travis, that's another one in the books. We made it to the very end. If you made it this far with us, thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>